Hey guys, Jared here. As a thank you for supporting us, we were releasing this episode as a bonus. Enjoy and have a happy holidays. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I am joined by your other host, Jared. What's up, Jared? Not much. Watching a bunch of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, it's it's living, the, living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, these are This is a kind of a crazy episode. We left off on a cliffhanger, and boy, did we get uh, a lot going on not a disappointing episode at all <laughs> in fact a lot of a lot of good tie-ins to uh the mcu and mm-hmm. just the past first half of the season i guess yeah yeah that's good um a couple of announcements before we get officially started um we are now a part of the but why though podcast and general nerd community so be sure to follow them on twitter at but why though PC, uh, or go on their website www.butwhythoughpodcast.com. There's lots of good content there, lots of writers, uh, lots of other podcasts. Um, good content. So yeah, super proud to be a part of their community. They're awesome. Um, the other thing too, uh, in terms of this podcast, if you are not caught up on Agents of Shield, it is available on Netflix through the end of season five. And we do have a spoiler section at the end if you're new to this podcast, (laughs) which I hope you're not. I hope you've listened to the other episodes. Um, But we do have a spoiler section at the end. So if you're not caught up, uh, you can skip that part. But I do not recommend it because there's a lot of good stuff that we talk about, um, not only around the show and the general MCU, but about comics tie-ins. So yeah. Go catch up on your Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Netflix before before you listen to this. <laughs> and we'll give you plenty of warning. Don't worry. All righty. There's a lot that happened, so let's get started. <laughs> uh, this is Season 1, Episode 11, The Magical Place. I wonder if we'll find out what the magical place is in this episode. (laughs) Um, This is written by some return writers, uh, Paul Zbizwezgi. I cannot say that name. (laughs) Uh, He wrote... um, (laughs) Sorry. Um, He wrote the previous episode, FZZT. God, why does he want to make my life difficult with his last name and the episode name? Um, and then Brent Fletcher also uh, co-wrote this, and he wrote Girl in the Flower Dress. So we're starting to get some return writers and directors, which is kind of cool. So we can kind of go back and compare, see if we can see some similarities. Actually, I don't know if we'll do that. It's a lot of commitment, but <laughs> <laughs> we can we can talk. We can think about it. <laughs> something that really becomes obvious, like a recurring theme or something. I mean, occasionally that happens. I remember about like the later seasons of Buffy. You know, I, I, there were like writers that I was like, oh, this is totally a Marty Knoxon episode. Right. And right. sure as hell it was, you know, but, but like, it was also like nine seasons. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little different, I guess. Than, I mean, we're not even there, you know, yet. yet. Yeah. 
Who knows? But I don't. I don't know. Like, there's some of these episodes that have very distinct humor and timing, and I don't know. Maybe like that's a thing with some of the directors and the writers. So we'll see. Oh, for sure. I mean, there were lines I think in this episode, maybe in the next, uh, that like remind me almost. Uh, there, there were moments. There was some Fitz line uh, that yeah. reminded me of yeah. Sander <laughs> from Buffy, and I'm like, oh, that's a Joss Whedon-y thing. I bet yeah. that's Joss Whedon's influence, uh, and. No, there's absolutely stuff that you know you see in common with writers and any I think even directors for people who do really pay attention to framing and and pacing and the stuff that's less to do with the with the way that's written. I think yeah. for sure I've even noticed that with like comedy like sitcom shows like I'm like oh this feels like one of these guys because <laughs> if if you pay attention to who the creators are you see you can definitely start to pick up on that. Yeah, I don't think I have enough of a fine tuned eye and ear to pick up that stuff necessarily but I can like now that I'm paying attention maybe I will I need a I need to make an excel spreadsheet <laughs> <laughs> so I can go back and compare notes I imagine you have like well, well part of this is because uh with it, when, we're, when, we're, when we are recording this it's the height of Halloween season right Nikki and I have been watching the scream show that was on MTV uh, recently it was actually really well done so far like halfway through the second season or a little way through the second season but it uh it, I, I imagine you setting up like a murder board-esque yes <laughs> like a wall with all these thumbtacks and then string and, yeah colored yarn <laughs> connecting everything You're like, these are all the suspects <laughs> there's a similarity here yeah, i this, see a connection <laughs> i wonder if this joke was made by this writer in the writer's room <laughs> i'm gonna overanalyze everything about this show that's why we're doing it right <laughs> oh man all right uh directed this this episode was also directed by kevin hooks which i swear i saw his name somewhere else but he has not directed anything else so i was just being crazy i got too excited about oh no we were having repeat writers i was like oh maybe this director was somewhere and no he was not so (laughs) (laughs) uh this episode originally aired uh january 7th 2014 all right here we go uh First of all, the episode starts off with a recap and as if we could forget, Coulson was taken. So he is not with the team at this point. Uh, And Raina and the clairvoyant want to know what happened the day after he died, which, oh my God. (laughs) Okay. Um, So this episode opens up and there's some kind of alien artifact arms deal. I don't know, really know what to call that. Cause I don't know if it's a weapon or not, but there's some kind of deal going down. Uh, this, this, uh, Chitari artifact is being sold to a different party. They're discussing whatever. And then this disc flies across the floor and someone's like, is that a Roomba? <laughs> and there's a shield logo on it. It's so cheesy. Um, and then Ward and May follow into the room. Everyone starts shooting. A chase ensues. May pursues this guy down the stairs. And she radios to Fitzsimmons. He's coming for you. So they're ready for him. They have the dwarves uh, in a, a hallway that kind of force him. Oh, by the way, he the guy shoots at the dwarves and nothing happens to them. So these this tech is very uh, secure and, and has good defenses. So that's good to know. <laughs> um, but the, the dwarves force this guy into the elevator and then Sky takes over and the elevator gets sent up to the roof where Agent Hand is waiting with another S.H.I.E.L.D. team and captures him. Such great teamwork. Coulson would be so proud. Oh. <laughs> uh, so now we're back on the bus. 
And I had forgotten, but Ward was shot um, when he was uh, being a sniper um, when they were trying to do that trade for Mike Peterson that turned out not to be a trade for Mike Peterson. Um, And we find out that the Centipede Tech um, or some Centipede Tech matches that Chitari piece um, in the deal that they crashed. So they're trying to connect. They're trying to find a lead based off of like money. I don't want to say money trails and and arms deals and things yeah, they're like trying that. Trying to follow the money. There, yeah. I don't know why that was so hard for me to say. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but they're somehow hoping that this this captive in particular will lead them to Centipede and to Coulson, um, even though that doesn't seem to be Agent Han's priority at this point. She just wants Centipede. Um, Fitz is super on edge. He's like ordering everyone around in the lab. Um, and we find out that it's been 36 hours since Colson was taken. So the trail is going cold. Um, and uh, Hand is giving a, um, a debriefing and suddenly their system is being hacked. And oh, guess who it is? It's Sky sitting in her room trying to hack the system. Um, May figures it out, figures it out, of course. And, uh, agent can comes walking in and she wants sky off the plane. She doesn't want her working for this team. She's just a consultant and she doesn't care for her. And she's very by the book. Um, Ward defends her and hand asks for agent May's opinion. She asks if Sky would be useful on the plane and May says, no, Ooh. um, so sky has to go. But, uh, the team know that knows that she's capable. So, uh, She's getting ready to leave. They're in the ha- in the uh, the cargo hold, and Fitzsimmons come up and hand her this paper sack, and she's like, "You made me a sandwich." <laughs> and Simmons is like, "Yes, it is that." Super awkward. Clearly, it is not a sandwich. <laughs> but Gemma's terrible. And it's also at lying. a great callback to the sandwich she made for for uh, Fitz oh, earlier in the season already. <laughs> Which is something that's an ongoing thing is their sandwich. But I like that that's where uh, Sky went to start. <laughs> exactly. So good. It's so good. The sandwich is ongoing. There's plenty more episodes that have this particular sandwich. That was a good, in that was a good joke for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ward explains to Sky that a shield team is coming to take her in in 12 minutes and there is a satellite phone in the sack. And so, um, as she leaves, she catches this other agent inspecting Lola and she's like, don't touch Lola. So that's another ongoing joke. <laughs> don't touch Lola. Um, which I actually was on Tumblr the other day and I saw something that's coming up in season four or maybe three, four that plays off of that joke and i'm really excited to talk about it when we get there <laughs> don't touch lola um so now we meet up with colson and he's in tahiti and he is jarred out of this memory and he's fully awake he's with poe and he's in some kind of like ct looking machine and Poe starts talking to Coulson and he knows a lot of things about Coulson about how he lost his father when he was young. And it's weird. Like, how can he know these things? Is the clairvoyant actually clairvoyant? Like what the fuck? Um, But the one thing that the clairvoyant can't see is how Coulson was brought back to life and they need to dig through Coulson's memories to find out how. So that's why one of the, one of the things he says that really freaks him out is like describing his death in detail and, like, oh yeah! Like, like it, it's. It, it, I feel like it's a powerful moment because we don't usually see 
uh, Colson unnerved like that. Like very little gets to him. Uh, it seems like he's, he's good at keeping his cool, but well, I think too, like when the clairvoyant was first mentioned, they were like, there's no such thing as a clairvoyant, like on the index, we don't know anyone that has prescience. And so I think he's having a moment where he's like, maybe we were wrong. Maybe this guy actually is prescient and he can see things. Um, And so I feel like he's, yeah, he's unnerved, not only because all this information is known about him, but also because how can this be? Um, There's like this world is even weirder than he thought, which is pretty weird. Um, so we get to sky and she's in this internet cafe, but the restriction, her, her, uh, uh, house arrest bracelet thing, the, the, it's been, it's the restrictions have been increased. So she can't even like use a computer at all. So she's in this internet cafe and she sets off the shield shut down for the entire cafe. So no one can use the computers and she runs outside and she goes to like a newsstand and she sees Lloyd Rathman in this magazine and she gets an idea. Um, so she uh, and she's standing in front of a store and she's clearly she's going to go shopping for this leather jacket that's in this that's in the window. Um, so cuts to Lloyd Rathman getting out of his SUV in front of his what we're assuming is his office. Um, and Sky just like it's it's valet, so Sky just walks right up to the car, pretends she's on the phone, and just gets in the car and drives away. The security restrictions on her uh, house arrest bracelet have been increased, so she can't even get near a computer, which we find out uh, by her setting off the uh, shield shutdown on the entire internet cafe, upsetting a lot of people. <laughs> so uh, she runs out; she's frustrated. Uh, she goes to like a newsstand and she sees a magazine with Lloyd Rathman in the magazine, uh, which. I don't know who that character is, and I don't know why I should know him. <laughs> well, he's, <laughs> but, he's not from the comics or the movies. I don't think he appears in any other episode. So, like, but, but they act like he's like Bill Gates or something. Like just that everybody should know him, sort of a little bit. Like, like, but, but they don't really they don't over they don't overplay it. You know, like some shows or some things, we like really make a big deal of it. But they subtly make make it out to be like we should know who Lloyd Rathman is, right? And I was trying to think like was he at um, Ian Quinn's party or something like that? And I just don't remember him. But (laughs) he like I went on Wikipedia to see like who is this character and why should I know him? And um, in this episode, like the character name isn't even a hyperlink, so he's I can't even link to anything else to figure out who he is. So he's just some random, like we should know who he is. We're not in the inn if we don't know, I guess, but whatever. (laughs) On his own personal Wikipedia page, he's only listed as being in that one episode as Lloyd Rathman. And I I was telling uh, you before we were recording that I, I love this guy. (laughs) His name is Rob, his name is Rob Hubel. And he's this really super tall, weird, uh, like just absurdist comedian He's a he's an improv uh, comic and he's partnered with a guy who a lot of people might recognize, um, I think, from The Daily Show uh, and a bunch of other stuff, too. But Rob Riggle, they're they're comedy partners together. And he was also on a show with Aziz Ansari and Paul Shear called Human Giant that was short lived, but was a great uh, weird sketch comedy show on MTV. Uh, it was something I really enjoyed probably about 10 years ago. And uh, oh, wow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's really just funny and he he was one of the main characters on an adult swim show called children's hospital that was really funny that i think people would enjoy it's like a parody of like 
every hospital drama, like Grey's Anatomy and whatnot. <laughs> but it's like super, super weird. <laughs> like, 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 like basically like Airplane, but about, yeah. what about that stuff. And uh, people, I think, will recognize him most from a GIF from that show where he's in a he's in a suit with like a colorful shirt and he's got like a big mustache and he throws glitter up in the air. And no. He's sitting down and it's, and people have like celebration or uh, all sorts of different things like captioned under it. Like that's funny. But I I, I think you'll yeah I'll, I'll post that gift from the account. But <laughs> I, I, I weirdly I think that's his biggest claim to fame, even though he's been in like hundreds of TV shows and movies yeah. <laughs> and like in memorable, but usually small parts. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I like, I couldn't tell if I recognized him from something or if he was, he just has that like general tall, lanky white man look that is like familiar. <laughs> so- like, I could list the things like, like, and there's just an absurd number of sitcoms that he's been in. Like, because he is a comedy actor, like it's primarily yeah. sitcoms, but I, anyone who's ever seen Bob's burgers, He's uh, voiced a couple characters and one recurring character who's a scam artist who like runs like uh, cl- like baseball clinics for kids and like self-help seminars and like getting mothers and daughters to connect like like workshops like but it's all just scams like he's just a con artist oh my God. And, and he and in this episode he totally has that same just kind of greasy like scum art- scummy, scum- yeah. Yeah, con artist scumbag vibe totally. That's so funny. So uh, as Sky is reading this magazine with Lloyd Rathman, the the, the one and only, <laughs> um, she turns around and she gets an idea. She sees like a leather jacket and on display in this uh, shop and sh- she's going to go shopping, apparently. So... <clears throat> uh, it cuts to Lloyd, our friend Lloyd, um, driving up to what I assume is his office in his SUV and he's getting out to have it valeted and he's, you know, leaving. And as he's leaving, Sky is walking around the car pretending that she's on the phone with her shopping bags and she just gets in the car and steals the car. (laughs) And, um, because her bracelet prevents her from using any kind of computer in the car, she's trying to figure out like, how do I figure out where this guy lives and go there? And so she crashes the car and, uh, because this car has OnStar and OnStar asks, how may I help you? And she's like, can you give me a tow to my house? So they show up, which is like a very thinly veiled um, commercial. For OnStar. commercial. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't even know. Is OnStar still a thing? Like I can't it's imagine just... it's that. I, I mean, I'm sure it is, but with yeah. phones and everything. I know. I mean, why is it? Probably. I don't know. There's yeah, whatever. It's just funny. 2014, so long ago. Um, So now we go back to the bus and we're in the lab and Fitzsimmons are arguing about methods of icing the centipede soldiers because we know that the night-night gun does not work on them. It doesn't incapacitate them. Um, And Ward is watching the interrogation of this guy that they picked up at the arms deal and he's very dissatisfied with the interrogation. So Ward lies to take over the interrogation and he buckles himself in and the guy, yeah, they're, you know, chit-chatting back and forth. And Fitzsimmons play rock, paper, scissor to decide who gets to open up the interrogation chamber yeah, to the sky. They, 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 they Rochambeau uh, each other for it. And it feels like the way she reacts to it feels like he always does scissors or something. Like, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. She's like, oh, Fitz. Like, you always <laughs> pick scissors, you idiot. Yeah. Like, it was, which is very cute. 
It was very cute. But yeah, so clearly, so this is how they're going to interrogate this man by opening up the airplane and letting him freak out, thinking he's going to be sucked out. So little, awesome. Well, terrorism there. Tech. Great, great. We, they're they're doing some great teamwork. Okay, Colson would be proud. We love torture teamwork. <laughs> fantastic. Um. So back to Colson. <laughs> um. So he's being dragged back to his cot after clearly being tortured or a bed or whatever this is. And he's in like this weird room where there's like mannequins and he's in, it's almost like a wood wooden cabin type. It, yes, it felt room. so weird in that moment, like not remembering it on from this rewatch. But, but like just as this scene is is established, as they throw him in this room, I'm like, that mannequin is conspicuous as hell. Like what is that yeah. mannequin doing there? <laughs> And I was like, what is this? I couldn't remember either, but it gets explained at, uh, later yeah, on in the episode. Very shortly. Like, I feel like every time yeah. that mannequin was a thought in my head, a moment later it was justified. And then another question was raised and then it was justified immediately. And it yeah. like two well, times. And he uses the mannequin. Right. So he like in this scene, he like pulls out a pair of tweezers and he gets himself out of his uh, handcuffs. And then um, cutting to another scene, he's like, pr- he puts the mannequin in the bed so it, it can pretend that it's him. Right. And, 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 and <laughs> once that happened, I was like, oh, that's why it's in the room. I'm like, but why the hell did they leave a mannequin in there? And then immediately that's explained. Yep. Because he, he runs outside after he, uh, escapes using the mannequin as a as a decoy, and yeah. uh, and sees that he's in like a nuclear testing site, right? Like, yeah. And then Poe shows up, and he's like, "I like this. It's like the children are always playing. Everyone's he's so super creepy about it." Um, and uh, apparently, there's nothing but desert for hundreds of miles. So Which makes sense. It looks like something out of like Alamogordo, New Mexico, where they did like like the Manhattan Project testing, or right, or like in the opening to the Indiana Jones movie, nobody likes to talk about. <laughs> Uh, yeah, greater and whatnot. It's like the same, the same kind of test site. I, I feel like yeah. we see it over and over again in sci-fi and genre stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good callback to the dangers of technology. Right. <laughs> That's true. It's a big sci-fi theme. So, um, so we get back to Sky, and she gets towed to Lloyd's house, and then she calls him at his office and poses as the LAPD to get him back to his house, saying that oh, your car was stolen, whatever. And then she dresses up as Agent Melinda May. <laughs> oh yeah, the second yeah. She, she looks at that coat, and you're like, oh, that's pretty much May's coat. Yep, yep, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, back on the bus, uh, it looks like Ward broke the dude, and now they have some leads to, to where Centipede is. And Hand starts to ask, um, you know, like. Uh, she's confused on why Coulson is so important. Like, yeah, we're getting, you know, we need to get Centipede taken down, but Coulson is also like a priority target in this. And I guess Fury and Hill are wanting updates. And she's like, no single agent is that important. Like, what's the deal here? And of course, Ward is like, no, Coulson is that important. But hmm, very weird. Um, back to Coulson. He's being tortured uh, by Poe. And Raina shows up. And it becomes very clear that her and Poe are not getting along. Um, they have very different methods. She's very into being persuasive and empathetic. And Poe just wants results. And so he's into torture. <laughs> um, so he calls the clairvoyant to see, like, what's up. And the clairvoyant wants to talk to Reyna on the phone. And she's like, me? Oh, my God. Um, and it's clear that the clairvoyant wants Reyna to take over. She's very pleased and she hands Poe the phone and Poe gets iced through the phone and he falls over. And oh my God, I didn't know you could do that. 
this is shield anything anything's possible <laughs> um, but not not always in the great way <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um so back on the bus uh ward and may are in the cockpit and they're gossiping about hand and ward is asking why may didn't have sky's back and may is like I know that Sky works best outside the system and she needed to be off the plane without all these agents surrounding her and like watching her every move, which yay. I love that May did not betray Sky. She just knew that she would be better away from all this, which is true. And she outsmarted Hand who she, I don't think is like a bad guy who she hates, but who's in their way. Yeah, exactly. She's too by the book. Which is fine in some cases, but not in this case. Um, you got to work around. Exactly. So um, Hand finds, uh, or Hand and team, find a lab in the Mojave Desert. And so it's time to go. And so the coolest shit happens. May's like, all right, buckle up. And the plane does this like reverse move and just like flips around mid-flight. Like it reminded me of the Expanse when the ship's like, uh, they do like a reverse burn and they just like flip over and like start going the opposite direction. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. The bus is a cool plane. Much, it's like a, a helicopter slash, I, I don't even know like what kind of ship does that, what it just did, but it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in this episode and then the next episode too, we get some pretty cool shots of the bus being badass. So they were using some of their budget on that stuff, which is funny. Um, so now we're back to Sky. Um, security guards show up and Sky takes them out and she's like a real agent. It's so cool. I'm so proud. Um, and she puts Lloyd at the computer because obviously she can't touch the computer. Um, oh, oh, also earlier in another scene, she was like trying to use the computer with a golf club because she couldn't get close enough to it. So she needs someone else to do this work for her. And it, becomes very clear that Lloyd is technologically useless. And so she has one of the security guards come and help. And she's like giving him, you know, she's like put in this command line, blah, blah, blah. And um, there's this weird moment when uh, Lloyd is like, well, my assistant usually does all this stuff for me. And like, just like, it's just like this weird humor. No, it's, it's definitely weird scene. It's why they cast him, I feel like, because yeah. he is a comedic actor. But it's it does it doesn't feel super out of place, but it feels very Joss Whedon-y to me. Like it feels yeah. very much like something out of Buffy, where like there's just, there's this comedy inserted amongst all this stuff, and it's not its own subplot entirely, but it is like is the background of her subplot of Sky's subplot, so it's kind of funny. It is. And there's even more like she starts talking to him about like his his son and how he's like he never I mean, this was in an earlier scene, but like how he's behind on his child support payments and just like gets into his, like some crazy psychological shit but, with him but, and his but, family. But his response, like is very much like like not Sky stuff is like a little biting and like, you know, it could be very hard hitting, could be taken very seriously. But his response is super sitcom where it's like, I'm yeah. a cool dad. <laughs> He's like, no, you're not. He's like, <gasps> like, like it's, it's just super, it's super weird. But it's not, it it's is. not bad. It doesn't take me out of it specifically because I like him a lot. But like, it's like, I'm like, oh, this is fun. But it's also, yeah. It, it di- I did note it as well. <laughs> like, it's yeah. Like, what, what is happening? It's weird I know. because it's such and then, a serious episode and it's follow up to cliffhanger. And there's well, I think I'm- maybe that's why. Like otherwise, it would just be too heavy. We need like some weirdness, some weird humor. Like, we- <laughs> but you're right. 
and then it feels like it's like a like it's it's a whole separate story in this subplot like there's more much more going on than probably we see on screen so. wife uh, a son who who does not love him or something <laughs> and it's and what makes it even funnier is that we never see this character before this episode and we never see him after so it's like they just like don't ever continue this story about lloyd rathman with as good as they are with callbacks uh that's not a specific spoiler for our spoiler section but just to for those who have not watched it before, uh, they are very good. There's a lot of callbacks throughout this this uh, five seasons so far, and, but mm-hmm. it would be awesome if sometime in the future they at least reference Lloyd Rathman, just like billionaire <laughs> Lloyd Rathman, and just and Scott Scott just like laughs, just like yeah. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, don't. I wonder if that actually does happen though, <laughs> like if he does get mentioned in a future episode because I haven't I never paid attention obviously, but well. If the, we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> Hashtag Lloyd, Lloyd Rathman watch or Rathman watch. <laughs> We're going to keep our eyes peeled. Everyone, everyone who's doing a rewatch, keep your eyes peeled for Lloyd Rathman references. Oh my God. <laughs> so Is funny. he in the MCU? Are there Rathman, right? are there Rathman buildings in the movies? <laughs> There's not. <laughs> That's why it's so weird. He's like this billionaire that doesn't have any like uh, real estate in anything else. I feel like that's unusual for billionaires in the MCU. If I had an up-to-date version of Photoshop, I would be right now while you're recording, I would be photoshopping a picture of him and Robert Downey Jr. like together, like with their <laughs> arms around each other. Like Oh my god. Come co-promoting some hospital or I don't even know. The Rathman something. Stark initiative. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, all right. So Skye finally finds what she's looking for. She traces the money trail. She gets a location and she takes one of Lloyd's fancy cars and she drives off into the sunset, <laughs> which is awesome. Like she did all of this without really being able to use a computer. And she used some of her uh, her training from the Shield Ward Academy, <laughs> um, which is awesome. So we're back to Coulson. So Raina and Coulson are chatting and she explains that she works for the clairvoyant and not for centipede. So apparently they are not necessarily one in the same. Um, And basically they're trying to do what shield is doing. Um, And she talks about how they can also make super soldiers, but they can't bring them back to life. And she starts to appeal to Coulson's morbid curiosity um, because he wants to know what happened to him, too. He wants to know why he's alive um, because it's becoming increasingly clear to him that there's something weird going on. Like he knows it innately. And I think he knows it like surrounding just the mysteries of his death as well. And Raina calls it the secret shield is keeping from you which, oh man, she is good at her job. Um, There's a lot of editing back and forth in the next couple scenes. So I'm just going to try. I, I, I know this, this next part doesn't happen in this scene, but it was a lot to cut back and forth. to this, So I'm just going to talk about it now. Um, So Coulson and Raina are still talking and Coulson mentions that he trusts the system. And Raina talks about how he, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is his family and they're lying to him about his own death and she is not wrong. Like, he gave up not only his actual life, but his chance at a normal life as well. Uh, the chance to have a family, the chance to to be in love and find love. And she starts to mention the cellist and how she was devastated when she found out that Coulson died. And she says they shattered her heart with a lie. Uh 
And so she, you know, she's still talking and she says this line, what happened in Tahiti? And Colson says, it's a magical play. I keep saying oh, yeah, that. You, you noted uh, <laughs> maybe the last time he said it, that he was like taken aback almost yeah. by, by, by how quickly with which he had to respond with that. But in that moment, like it's creepy. Like he's, he's like, oh, yeah. what? Like that, that, that it feels like the, the, the second that cements him being in on like yeah, something's wrong. Whatever like Raina's why? Like, okay. Like, all right. Yeah. I feel you. <laughs> and yeah. And she's like, don't you want to know why you keep saying that? And he wants to know. And so he walks to the machine and he's like, turn it on. And like when I was watching this, I was like, no, <laughs> don't do it. You don't want to know what happened. <laughs> but also we want to know because this is a major mystery being set up since episode one. So, ugh. all right. Back on the bus in the lab. Um, Fitzsimmons have developed the tech to disable a centipede soldier. Um, and it's basically a bracelet that Ward has to get onto their wrist. <laughs> and Ward's like, it sounds like riding a bull. And Fitz is like, yeah, no problem, right? Just a bull. Like they're, <laughs> they're so <laughs> like disconnected from reality sometimes. It's funny. Um, and Sky calls them from the road. And of course, Simmons as- answers the phone and she's trying to pretend like she's not talking to Sky. She's like, hello, Dr. So-and-so, because um, there's other S.H.I.E.L.D. agents in the room. And so May makes them leave and she takes the phone and she like wants to know what's up, what she found out. Well, and, it does, and it does like that um, emphasizes that, yes, they're all agents, but they're not all spies. <laughs> like, no. Because <laughs> like even, even Sky says in that moment, like, like you cannot lie. Like, 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 like don't you? Yeah, don't you're even really bad at this. Lie. <laughs> like, do your best. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so funny. Um, so, oh, so they they show up at this lab, or they show up near the lab that Hand found in the Mojave, and um, Coulson's team wants to go to this testing site that Sky found, and Hand is opposed. And um, she's like, no, like, you're just going to go off of a hunch that, like, your rogue agent <laughs> found out. And uh, oddly enough, she didn't show up when the agents were supposed to take her in, so clearly she knew that she was off on her own doing something. And May talks her into splitting up the team, and so Coulson's team is going to go find Colson, and then the rest of the team is going to go take down Centipede. So good. May is taking initiative and she's not taking shit from Hand, which sucks because Hand's not a bad character. She's like not a bad guy. She's just in the way at the time. She's a hard <laughs> ass. Yeah. Um, so now we're back to Colson and Raina and Colson asks her like, what's with the flower dresses? And Raina's like, who doesn't like flowers? So there's that mystery solved. <laughs> um, and apparently we find out that the machine was used on Raina as well. And she kind of explains how it works. Like just, uh, she tells Colson not to fight it, to just let it, to let it in. And so he gets back in the machine and he sees... He's on the beach again. He's getting a massage. A server comes up with some some tropical drinks. And suddenly the server cha- changes to Doc Stryton, um, who's played by Ron Glass. And um, the massage therapist is clear. It's not the massage therapist, even though she still has her face. She's someone else, um, probably uh, on the medical side of things. And so it's clear that there's another memory underneath this, which we'll find out about in a minute. Um 
So Sky shows up to this testing site and she gets spotted by a centipede dude. And then the rest of the team shows up very conveniently and hits the guy with the car. So just in time. Um, so they try to take out the rest of the guards and it's very obvious that the night night bracelet is the worst idea ever. <laughs> so Ward ends up taking the tech out of the bracelet and just shoves it in the guy's mouth um, to take him out. It's, it's pretty gruesome. So, too. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, it's very gruesome. Uh, and so we're back to Coulson in this room and he starts to remember what happened. So he's in an OR. He remembers seeing um, Agent Fury or Director Fury. And then he remembers Doc and the OR nurse and he starts to scream. He's screaming, let me die. Let me die. Let me die. And um, he's laying on a table and the camera kind of pans out a bit and we see this machine is doing this crazy shit to his exposed yeah, it's brain like an, it's like this automated and it's like thing and it looks like it, it looks like it's like a freaking laser printer like electrocuting his brain <laughs> like but like operating on on a on one of those automated machines that like either runs a factory you know that like builds cars or computers like it's just it's just like a this automated drone on an arm, like coming from the ceiling. Yeah, it's it, creepy. Yeah, it, it looks like a medical, uh, you know, futuristic medical device might be used, but it, but the fact that he's conscious and screaming, let me die. Yeah. It's, it, I was just, I was, I was thinking oh. of it. Um, I, immediately when I was like writing my notes that because it happened so soon after the moment where he shoves the, the tech and, his mouth felt like it's appropriate in this, as I mentioned before, but it's like when we were, when we were recording this, it's, it's Halloween time. And like, it feels super creepy because this is like very Frankenstein esque, this scene, like where they're electrocuting mm -hmm. his brain, he's screaming to let him die. And they're bringing him back from the dead. It's like they, they Frankenstein Colson. He's one brain instead of, instead of, instead of a did. bunch of brains. So I guess he's not Frankenstein in the way we think of it, but they did resurrect him with technology, with electricity. It's, it's nuts. It is. And it's very clear that the doctor is like, we shouldn't be doing this. This is like not natural. And he's like fighting against it. And it's just a horrific scene. It's like, what the fuck is happening? Coulson. It's, um, it's heartbreaking. And so, like you, you, no, you said before, uh, just when you first watched it, like this was a really emo an emotional episode. And I feel like all of it really culminates with this. And you're, I think you're probably right. This is why we had a weird Rob Hubel doing Hubeling it up <laughs> moment uh, earlier right. <laughs> the side where you look at his oh credits God. and it's like 97% sitcoms and, and sketch comedy and then agents of shield as this guy, which I, I think for him was super fun. <laughs> I, I, the, the guy who plays the cameraman in Iron Man three, like I uh, is a comedian and the comedic actor. And I once, uh, heard a podcast with him where like half of it was just people asking him about being on and he's just like it was the greatest moment of my life <laughs> like for months people would be like were you the guy in Iron Man 3 he's like hell yes I was I was in Iron Man 3 <laughs> and like high fived everybody like so, uh, so I, I bet this was like super fun <laughs> for him where he gets to be a goofball on, on, a, on a Marvel show like right at the height of everything yeah. like the year after Avengers was out like this was this had to be awesome I'm sure Oh man! So we see this horrific moment where Coulson is remembering what's what, how what happened to him after he died, and as he's remembering this, Sky walks into the room and Coulson is screaming in real life, "Let me die! Let me die! Let me he's die!" And the look on her face, the look on her face is just like, "What the fuck?" And she sees Raina. Raina stands up. And she just yeah, knocks Raina like, out. Like he needs <laughs> this. Like, and she, yeah, she just 
Cole Gosser. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, no, no, she, no, he does not. <laughs> like, you leave my dad alone. Um, and May runs in, and they're just like, what do we do? And May pulls the power that, on the machine. That moment made me stop too, because when she pulls the power on the machine, it's just a plug in the wall. And I'm like, uh, yeah, to I know. Do a freaking like to, to, to plug in a dryer, you gotta have a special like yeah. wattage like for the power for a dryer. And this I'm was sh- a b- brain memory descrambler. Like, like, I don't even I don't even know right. how much power that that takes. But I'm guessing it's more than my fridge. <laughs> right. And it's just like we just happen to have the right voltage at this random nuclear yeah. testing site out in the and middle of the desert. It was definitely like, from the 50s. <laughs> like like for some reason yeah. it still has like like I don't know. It's it's very goofy. It's very like, Oh yeah. A little bit well, of a just, plot like, hole like, maybe. It, it would have just been fine. <laughs> it would have been like one step more but probably just more than they had time for or whatever to have like a, a generator there yeah. that she, you know, kicks or shoots with a gun or something yeah. or cuts a cord you know Some, like cuts a, a a big tube a ridiculously sized you know corrugated <laughs> tube or something but but as it oh w- with a uh, filled with dry ice that like spurted out you know, <laughs> it missed when they cut it well they couldn't they could have even just had like reina alive and like had her at gunpoint and like turn off the machine or, or and then the, she could have turned it classic, off and then you know sci-fi genre move of just smashing the keyboard or monitor and then the device yeah. you know <laughs> turns off or smokes like it's like now it's busted too like right. it's, it's like oh crap the monitor's busted like oh, poof it explodes or whatever smoke yeah. sparks like that, easily there were a couple easy ways around yeah. this and it wasn't bad it's just it, it it just was it was a moment for a split second we're just like that first moment when the mannequin was You're in like, the bed i'm like well that's a little convenient why was that there i and know then, there isn't the immediate like a- explanation for this but it's such a minor thing it's definitely a nitpick and it's only because we watched i think in the way that we do <laughs> it's but i even know yeah it. well it's just it's just such a like record scratch moment where you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's weird. And it's 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 short enough to where right. it doesn't pull you out of the scene because it's a very emotional well, they don't, scene like, as zoom well. In on it. Like, like, like if they if they had, I, I'd yeah. be like, wait, what? <laughs> like, like, it's putting a lot of weight on this, but. But no, oh it's it just God. it looks like it's something out of so Star funny. Trek: The Next Generation, and and it's plugged into oh, yeah. the wall it's... like it's my router. <laughs> like, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> It is. Um, so May pulls the power on the the CT, the very expensive medical equipment, <laughs> um, and they just both have like the most helpless expressions on their faces. Like, what do we do? And Coulson starts to wake up, and he's recognizes Sky, and Sky just starts to break down because this is like her dad. Like, and he's like so broken and vulnerable in this moment, and he's just you know he's like bleeding. He's he was what he was screaming when she walked into the room is just like ooh, yeah. It was a rough moment, very rough. Uh, So now very abrupt transition, but they're back on the bus and everyone's fine. (laughs) And um, May compliments Sky's jacket. Perfect. (laughs) The way it could have been more on the nose is if she would have been like, nice jacket, and just take took it from her. I know. And put it on and walked away yeah, like that. Like, but it was it was a perfect. That was that uh, that was definitely like a I might have like laughed out loud, not like not cackling. I know like known to do sometimes. Yeah, just like just, a just, ha. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely appreciate yeah. that. 
I wrote that one down. Definitely. <laughs> oh, and they they have they they captured Reyna, thank God, and so she will be interrogated. And um, Han, uh, Agent Han comes up to Coulson and they shake hands. And Coulson, you know, thanks her. I'm like, thank you for what? Like she didn't want to help you, but whatever. <laughs> and, and, and who is it, who is it that says it on the bus? Uh, was it Gemma who says? I bet they won't have flowers where she's going or whatever. Like, Oh, yeah. Flower dresses where she's going. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was Gemma, which is kind of funny <laughs> that it's coming from her. Um, but in this moment, the team reunites and it's kind of it's like Coulson is very clearly shaken, but he's just like super grateful for their loyalty and their their teamwork. And it's, it's another like little emotional moment where and um Sky stays behind and she's like, you know, I heard what you were saying when I walked in the room and Colson just denies it. And he's just like, it wasn't real. It's fine. I'm fine. And then he removes her house arrest bracelet. Yay. So Sky is officially not being punished for her, for her crimes anymore. But and I also feel like, like, no, it was a great moment because it was a huge moment between the two of them. And like you said before, like, she, he's becoming more and more her dad. She, he's like the only father figure she really has. And it's very meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, so now we uh, cut to this nice house. And Doc Strayton is getting into his SUV that's outside his house, even though he has a driveway that's shown on screen, which I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, can't film. There's not a good angle there. Can't film from there. Um, so he gets into his SUV and Coulson is in the back seat. And he's like, I know about Tahiti. And the doc's just kind of like, yeah, I, I figured this day would come. And so he explains what happens. And he's like, you were dead for days. And Director Fury moved heaven and earth to bring you back. And the doc was brought in for the seventh operation. Um, and I guess uh, they were trying to make him the Coulson that he was before, before he lost his will to live. Um, and he says, we tried to give it back. So they implanted these really nice memories of a beautiful island in Tahiti to cover up uh, the trauma uh, of that experience of, of dying. Um, and Doc is very, it's he's very obviously gravely sorry. And he says that they should have let him die. Um, they should have. They should have given him what he wanted, well, he, what he was and he asking says that for. In addition to the <sighs> vast emotional trauma, you know, it's implicit. Like he says specifically, like there was so much neurological damage. To, to be fixed, but that they needed to make sure that he was okay. So explaining that he was conscious mm -hmm. for that portion that he walked in on. Yeah. So we see in the flashback moment that the, 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 this, this seventh operation that he ru runs in on and starts yelling at this other doctor, like what the hell is happening? Like this monstrous thing was because they wanted to make sure he was, he was going to be himself and be alive and be normal, or whatever, while it was reconstructing his brain. And it's just so disturbing. Like, it's well, so and disturbing. With what he's saying, like it's such a violation. Like it, it basically is Frankenstein minus the multiple body parts stuff, and only he's alive while it's happening enough to say stop doing this. Like it's it, it, it's it's Frankensteining yeah. someone with even less consent than using a dead body and bringing it back because they're actively in the middle of the process telling you to stop. It's really it's really sad. Ugh. Like you said, this one's rough, and the next the next one's rough. <laughs> they're both so rough. <laughs> They are rough. Okay, so this this episode isn't even over yet. So we're already shook from what's happened, what we discover about Coulson. And just like like you said, the violation of his consent and his just like his mind, everything. Like it's so awful. So in the next scene, we find out 
that Mike Peterson is still alive. Speaking of like violating of, you know, someone's whatever personhood. So we find out Mike Peterson is still alive. He's lost his leg. He's very badly burned. And he has a fucking eye implant. And he's getting messages as he's looking in the mirror. Just like Fuck. in the last right? <laughs> yeah. So all this stuff but is yeah, So here we together. go. I Mike. believe at the time they kept doing the hashtag and the, the catchphrase, it's all connected because they wanted us to, because at the time too, <laughs> the films and the TV side were connected. Uh, but but uh, yes. Yes. yeah, <laughs> but at the same so time for the context of the show, it really is like, as we, as we will talk yeah. about more with the discussion and then even more with the spoiler stuff. Definitely. Yeah. So I really quickly want to talk about trauma <laughs> just real quick. Just because that's like a very heavy theme with Coulson, um, not only in this episode, but the next episode as well. Um, So essentially, like they were trying to erase like his memories of trauma. And on a personal note, I've been going to therapy to deal with some traumas in my past. And I've like been learning that your brain kind of just like rewires itself and gives you these coping mechanisms kind of without your permission. So when you start like figuring out uh, through therapy or whatever journey that you're on to fix your brain or to (laughs) make your brain easier to live with, um, you start to figure out that your brain just does this kind of like without your permission. And it's very disconcerting to realize that you've been living this life or you've been living your life and you didn't really even get there intentionally. And it's it's kind of, it's disturbing, it's upsetting, and it's really hard to work through. And so this is like, obviously, what Coulson's going through is a very extreme version of that, because <laughs> though that type of re- brain rewiring was done to him, like by an external source, and which is even more disturbing, it's like not even just his own brain that's doing to him. But the idea that his brain, like is trying to remember what happened and knows that this isn't a real memory and that shit went down and he just knows like something's broken and he can't figure out how to get there. And we find out like so many other characters in the show go through some shit and kind of have some similar issues with dealing with trauma. And I feel like we we're like part of all these fandoms, like star Wars is a great example as well. And even star Trek to a certain extent, but just like, all these characters go through so much shit, so much trauma, and we never deal with the fallout of that. And I think the show does a really good job at dealing with the fallout of extreme trauma, like coming back to life. Or as we see in like next seasons, I won't spoil it, but there's some other shit that goes down where we have to deal with the fallout um, from that as well. If with other characters. really weird, uh, ambitious, but like, I just don't even, I feel like somewhat misguided uh, event series going on at DC right now. It's like Heroes in Crisis, I think is what it's called. And the idea was uh, first mentioned a while back as some, something to introduce this concept into uh, DC Comics where there's basically a, a, a post-traumatic stress uh, like hospital uh, that specializes for superhumans and victims of superhuman events in their world, which I think makes perfect sense. But the story that they're using to introduce mm-hmm. it is uh, someone admitted into it is a mystery revolving around there's there's a, a mass shooting where dozens of characters and side characters and sidekicks and superheroes and supervillains are murdered in cold blood and at this PTSD clinic. And I'm just like, guys, yeah. whoa, dude. 
And it's and it's nuts too because like the guy who did uh, who's writing it, Tom King, is also writing Batman and a bunch of other stuff right now. He's really, I think, very good author. But he uh, he has an, his history is an actual uh, intelligence agent and uh, peace officer and like in in military, he has all the service history that he brings with him. And I think he wanted to do a story about PTSD, but it's just it doesn't feel. I feel like it's super well intentioned, but just like having a mass yeah. shooting. Just kind well, of all ha- thrown together. At PTSD <laughs> clinic, it just feels like, yeah, that's so yeah, fucked up. Like, like it's not. I don't think it's meant to be sensational or hateful as much as just combining it all together. Like you said, like everything in these comics is always so convenient. <laughs> it's just the way it is. So yeah. it's all these themes in one story, but but at the same time, it's just like it feels rough as hell. And I feel like this, the way they do it on Shield, yeah. is as organic and as subtle as you can do while still making it clear that they're dealing with trauma and stress. And, and I, I enjoy the way they do it because it does feel like something, you know, you could watch with a tween or, you know, older kid with no problem and, and kind of introduce maybe heavier issues, maybe even through it as lofty as that might be uh, sometimes for the show like this. I think that it's actually something that's very real as early as this first season. Oh yeah, definitely. Even just like, I mean, you think about like Mike Peterson, (laughs) like dude just doesn't get a break. Like he, you know, wasn't able to hold a job like he couldn't provide for his family. And then he, you know, he gets desperate and like does, you know, enrolls in the centipede program and then he ends up losing everything anyway. And we eventually like obviously he's still alive. So we see more of this character throughout the next few seasons and like there's like shit like that this guy went through and I feel like the show does a good job at at least acknowledging it it's not just like I don't know like I feel like Captain America is a really good example where he like lost his best friend he grew up in extreme poverty like during the war and then he got turned into a super soldier and basically like went to war on his own because no one believed in him they just wanted him as a mouthpiece and like saw a bunch of people die and then like gave up his life and then was reborn. Well, it's, it's almost like specifically for Cap, <laughs> it's, like, it's almost like he's not ever stopped. So there's no downtime. Yeah. And he just, but that's the thing. It's like, he's never stopped. And now we're at a point in like infinity war where, Oh fuck. Like, <laughs> and we've never, but we've never seen him have a moment. Well, like, you know what I mean? I like, in, like before the end of civil war, in between that and Infinity War, I guess we're going into our spoiler section, are, are we? <laughs> yeah, we probably should. So at this point, if you haven't watched through the end of season five of Agents of Shield and you haven't watched the all of all of the movies of the MCU, stop what you're doing, go do that, and come back. You've been warned. <laughs> but I, I feel okay. like you know before that those moments, he doesn't really ever get that break. And you're right, we don't see it. But I feel I feel like that's definitely a weird choice. Well, not a weird choice, even. And that meant to brush under the rug, but I do think it's worth mentioning for sure. Like, like, like it's it's interesting. Yeah. Think. Even just to have a moment of him just like breaking down and like being, and I, I guess it's weird because Cap is supposed to be like this superhuman. So we don't, but we don't ever see those human moments from him. Like he's always the one pressing on and like, Hey, we got to move forward. But to, I think it would be, I think it would be really powerful to see him just have a moment. Of- well, it's weird. Cause I don't think, that say we don't see human those human moments from him is true because I think 
and there's a, a kind of vulnerability with like how how much he he does like love Bucky. Yeah. And, and even like That's true. Sam or any, I don't know. There's several instances. Yeah. But, but you're it's right. A, it's but it's a different kind of humanity, right, I think. He doesn't show that particular kind of weakness. I think that the thing is that you or I, none of the moments of humanity he does demonstrate, we would we, would we ever perceive it as a weakness. But there's stupid, there's stupid shit yeah. in our to- toxic, you know, masculine patriarchy that is yeah. viewed where it, where him caring about his best friend uh, unconditionally is viewed as some sort of weakness. Where it's like, well, that's it's yeah. something you could be manipulated or exploited. It's like, who cares? It's altruistic and pure and good. And yeah, it's a fairy tale, and it's but it's also. Freaking superhero story about a guy who dresses in red, white, and blue and punches Nazis in the <laughs> face instead of you know dying. He's like, he, yeah, and then, yeah. you know, it's it's none of it's real. So so getting like hung up on yeah. a hero being heroic feels super silly. Like, yeah, it does. I'm not saying that's what you're doing. I, I feel like that's it's just it's a, he's an interesting he's a super interesting character. And I do I would like to hope that in the last starring role, which it seems like that's what we're getting in Avengers Four. That he would, uh, they might touch on it a little bit. We'll maybe see that. Yeah. Well, I just think it's interesting because we've seen that with Tony Stark, like in Iron Man 3, like he is definitely dealing with PTSD. And there's moments in that film of of us actually well, seeing that. a lot of that um, in, between Winter Soldier and Civil War with Bucky. So I think it's present. But I, yes, I don't yeah. feel like they're trying to show... Is something that like Steve's not capable of or, or whatever. Like I don't, like, I don't think mm-hmm. he's like above it. It's just interesting that they don't show it. No, I don't, I don't think it is a weakness. Like I said, any of it. But I think that again, our culture might might portray some of it as as such. I don't know. Yeah. It's super interesting. Well, and it's interesting. It's interesting too that he is technically a soldier, <laughs> like, and like the one I guess Bucky technically is too, and and Sam. But they're the ones – well, I mean, we have seen um, Bucky deal with, like, the fallout of that. But, like, we haven't seen the Captain America, like, the soldier of, you know, <laughs> uh, of the MCU deal with PTSD in any way. It's – I don't know. I I hope that we get something in Avengers 4 on, on that front well, for that character. Sort of um, way, you know, the, I, I, I'm with you. I think that – could be done really well and i hope i don't think it's like a the biggest failure in the world if they don't, if they don't include it but at the same no, time I don't either. it would be a it'd be a bit disappointing because it, it doesn't have to be anything like yeah. super on the nose or obvious even just something that hints at him you know de- de- dealing with a harder time <laughs> like, dealing with stuff because like all the stuff that they focus on in the first one and even i feel like the little bits we get in winter soldier because uh, we don't get any of it really in Civil War, but all the all the stuff about any anything, I don't know. It just feels like it's about him being a fish out of water in the first one, or then him being a man out of time in the second one. Like it's not about dealing with the realities of war or what he's going through yeah. exactly. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, uh, and kind and kind of to bring it yes. back to Shield, since that's what we're here for. Um, I the one thing that I do appreciate about the show, like I was saying before, is that we have these characters that continue to like push forward and push forward. But like in this case, like, and we'll see in the next episode, like Coulson gets stuck on this and he wants to push forward, but it's not necessarily in a healthy way. Um, 
And I think a lot of Coulson's character arc throughout the entire five seasons is he gets, he has issues with attachment because of the trauma he's experienced. And it's like, he already lost his life once. Like he becomes at peace with that at some point, but he isn't, he, he has so many feelings for the people that he cares about that he doesn't want to hurt them. And so he doesn't know how to communicate like what he's dealing with, with them, if that makes sense. Like he doesn't know how to rope them into, I don't want to say into his, his like therapy, but like more so his healing process. (laughs) And so he just kind of shuts everyone out at the same time, trying to protect them. I don't know. And then Fitz does something completely different. And so does Gemma. So does Sky. May too. They all go through shit that... They all kind of deal with it in different ways. So it's uh, I'm, I'm glad that this show and I think maybe it's just because it's like a length of time, like they have more episodes to kind of deal with this versus like a two and a half hour film. So I don't know. Trauma talk. <laughs> more. There'll be plenty more of that in the coming episodes, even the next yeah, episode. Introduced our two new this. segments this episode: uh, Hubel, Hubel's Corner and, and uh, Trauma Talk. <laughs> it's the only time we'll be hearing from Rob Hubel, so that's a one-off. Yes, <laughs> one-time segment. Uh, and then what? What was the other segment that we had? It was like Jared talks about <laughs> random. Uh, what was it? Character Maybe. origins. I, I don't, I don't oh my god. Oh, semi-weird comic stories with Jared. I wrote it down. We definitely have a lot of those all the time coming up because comics are so freaking weird. I've I've tried to explain a few different comic things to people recently, and it's just like speaking a different different language. Too weird, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So a couple of things that um, I put in the notes to talk about was just um, seeing Sky become a very capable agent. And it's fun to watch. This episode was a really fun episode to watch her kind of do her thing on her own. Like she didn't have Ward there helping her or May there to back her up. It was just she didn't even have Fitz and Simmons with any tech to help her. It was just her doing her thing. So very resourceful. And it's it's exciting to see where she goes from here. Um, the other thing is that the why is Coulson so special one agent is not worth all of this well we come to find out why it's because of this crazy like Cree blood that is injected into him and apparently like when you're working for a spy agency you want to keep that hush hush that one of your agents has this in their system and doesn't want it to be used for nefarious purposes centipede junk (laughs) also maybe not uh, it's just you'd think that they invested all this time and money in this experiment. Like he is, he's, he's shield property and a shield experiment now too. You know, it's gross, Mm. but it's probably sort of how not fury, but then maybe the higher ups are looking at it. That's creepy to think about. I didn't even, (laughs) well, and then it's weird because like they chose, and I don't know, like clearly like Fury has a relationship with Coulson that, and I mean, we might even get to see some of that in Captain Marvel when it comes out, since the two of them are in that movie. Um, so maybe there's even a, a deeper relationship that we just don't know about, but they might have, um, they might have had uh, professionally. They're just back then. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, um, but like there's a reason Colson was probably chosen for this. Like, you know, how many agents die in the field? Like 
you know, a dime a dozen. And Colson was someone who like didn't really have any attachments, no family. He was the job. Um, he was dedicated to Shield. He really truly believed in the idealism that is Shield, and so he was kind of the perfect person if they wanted someone that was going to stay loyal to do for this, which is also That's gross <laughs> if you think about it. Like they probably wouldn't have picked someone. I mean, and the, we don't have good examples just because everyone in Coulson's team is kind of a loner, except for Fitz and Simmons. They actually do have family still, but like Ward is very detached from his family. May is divorced and is, you know, enjoys being alone. Sky doesn't have anyone either. Um, but yeah, so interesting choice. I don't know. It sucks. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is the clairvoyant. And how it's doing what S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing, as Raina mentioned. Do you think she's just talking about, like, the super soldier serum? Or was there other... I don't remember if there's, like, other stuff that Centipede and... Or, or is she, like, very specifically referencing Hydra? I think it could be a coy reference to the fact that Hydra's <laughs> already infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. Because Centipede okay. and S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point are both offshoots of Hydra, but... Neither of yes. them know it. Yeah. <laughs> or, or I couldn't. I just. I just, I just couldn't remember. I couldn't remember if. Yeah, I couldn't remember if there was something else that happened. I'm not sure. Um, Maybe our listeners could chime in and let us know what they think. If uh, Raina was was just saying that, uh, like, wink, wink, Hydra's already in control of you, or yeah. is it more just like, oh no, we're gathering superhumans and and helping them achieve their potential? Like, if she's not buying into their hype a little bit. Right. And then also just does, does Raina know that Hydra? that Hydra exists within I Shield? I can't remember cuz I don't think she cares about that. She's on a whole different plane. Like she's just using this organization as a means That's to true an too. end. So she doesn't buy into it. But the way she talks with the clairvoyant we've talked before about it seems like maybe she does buy into it. We need to that part we don't really remember or aren't sure if our initial reactions were right. Like, I feel like, I don't know that we'll have to, Mm -hmm. we'll have to see. Yeah, that's okay. I'll put that in the notes. (laughs) Something else to watch for. (laughs) Lloyd Rathman. And if Raina buys into Hydra, actually buy into Clairvoy (laughs) and Hydra's message and Rathman watch. (laughs) 2018. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, Are there any comics tie-ins for this episode? I mean, we have a couple characters like Victoria Hand, I think, you know, who uh, is from the comics, but we already mentioned. Mm. Uh, so nothing, nothing mm-hmm. new, uh, except for the only nothing thing that, that would be in the spoiler section that would have to do with the comics uh, tie-ins would be we are one step closer to Deathlock because he has a robot eye and his arm is all covered in extra centipede stu- stuff. So Mike Peterson's voyage to Deathlock is one step closer. Yeah. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Actually, it's a good thing, <laughs> oddly enough. All right. That's all, all right. I got. <laughs> that was a, a, ended up being much longer than Rathman I was talk. expecting it to be. <laughs> yes. Rathman Watch. Hashtag Rathman Watch. Um, all right. Well, uh, where can the good people find you on the interwebs? I am on social media, mostly on Twitter, I guess. I guess I technically am on Instagram as I snow nothing. <laughs> I snow I and mean, nothing without the g uh but no spaces uh and uh where nice. where are you at 
Uh, I'm on Twitter at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. Um, and you can find the podcast on at on Twitter at Project Tahiti, or you can send us an email at um, Project Tahiti Pod at gmail.com. And thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Um, we've uh, we have quite a few episodes up now, even though we're recording this in, in, early, in, in <laughs> so advance. you won't hear this until a couple. Yes. Um, but yeah, we appreciate we're getting some emails, some feedback. Um, it's it's always fun to to know that people are actually listening so thanks, to the show. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> and, yeah, we appreciate it. So yeah, um, thanks for listening to Project Tahiti. It is a magical place. Bye. Catch you later. Bye.